Good morning. Welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Bibb, and a special warm welcome to any guests or visitors who may be joining us today. Please know you're always welcome here at Trinity Lutheran Church. And we gather with great joy on this eighth Sunday after Trinity, uh, as we will hear today of, well, some protective words of our Lord as he warns us against false prophets and the fruit that they produce, which is, of course, false teaching. And the reason why Jesus gets after this so much is because, well, he loves us. And he is concerned about our eternal souls and our bodies. And he does not want us to be led away into false teaching and unbelief by the devil. So in love, he comes and preaches to us to beware of these things. So I'll turn your focus then to the inside of the back cover of the bulletin where we have our summary of the readings for today. Where we hear more about, the, uh, about our Lord's words on this day. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Deceit has its strength in masquerading as the truth. False prophets speak a vision of their own heart, not from the mouth of the Lord. They deny the judgment of the Lord, speaking peace to the unrepentant, when in truth there is condemnation and wrath. You will recognize them by their fruits. The fruits of a true prophet are not outward righteousness or success, but faithfulness in proclaiming the word of the Lord. This is the will of the Father in heaven, that pastors take heed to the flock, the Father's adopted ones warning them against the wolves and their lies, and shepherding the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. For indeed the cross is that good tree bearing good fruit, namely the body and blood of Christ given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Today we pray the office of Matins as it begins on page 219. We now sing the first hymn. The Old Testament reading for the 8th Sunday after Trinity is from Jeremiah chapter 23. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you, filling you with vain hopes. They speak visions of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They say continually to those who despise the word of the Lord, It shall be well with you. And to everyone who stubbornly follows his own heart, they say, No disaster shall come upon you. For who among them has stood in the counsel of the Lord to see and to hear his word, or who has paid attention to his word and listened? Behold, the storm of the Lord. Wrath has gone forth, a whirling tempest. It will burst upon the head of the wicked. The anger of the Lord will not turn back until he has executed and accomplished the intents of his heart. In the latter days, you will understand it clearly. I did not send the prophets, yet they ran. I did not speak to them, yet they prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel, then they would have proclaimed my words to my people, and they would have turned them from their evil way and from their e the evil of their deeds. Am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God afar off? Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord? I have heard what the prophets have said who prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. How long shall there be lies in the heart of the prophets who prophesy lies, and who prophesy the deceit of their own heart, who think to make my people forget my name by their dreams that they tell one another, even as their fathers forgot my name for Baal? Let the prophet who has a dream tell the dream, but let him who has my word speak my word faithfully. For what has straw in common with wheat, declares the Lord, is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. 
The epistle is from Romans chapter 8. So then, my brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the seventh chapter. Jesus said, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. This is the gospel. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our Lord has some strong warnings for us today. In both the Old Testament and Gospel lessons, we hear warnings about false prophets and the fruit that they produce, that is, false doctrine, false teaching. In other words, they produce lies. False prophets are liars who lie about God, who lie about what, are, what is true, and lie about what is false. As we take to heart these warnings today, we do well to remember who spoke these warnings. It is Jesus, our Good Shepherd and Lord. He warns us of the false prophets and their lies precisely because he loves us, and he doesn't want us to be deceived by the devil and ultimately lured away into unbelief and hell. In the Gospel lesson, Christ's words about wolves and sheep's clothing, they may seem overly simple at first. I mean, it's almost kind of a, a children's story picture that's painted in our minds. I mean, I don't know about you, but it's difficult to imagine a wolf dressed in sheep's clothing would be able to fool anybody. It brings to mind images of Little Red Riding Hood. You remember that story, right? We all heard that growing up. Oh, Grandma, what a big wolf nose you have. What big wolf paws you have. What big wolf teeth you have. Indeed, dear sheep of Christ, all the better to eat you with. Perhaps Little Red Riding Hood was foolish enough to get eaten by the big bad wolf, but, you know, we think to ourselves, oh, well, we're Christians, right? And more than that, we're confessional Lutherans, right? Our old wolf-like foe, Satan, he can't get us. Well, dear sheep of God, this is precisely what our Lord Jesus warns us to beware of. This is what he's teaching us about. The warning is given because it is needed. We should take it to heart, lest we be lured away and deceived by the lies of Satan. 
complacency and overconfidence. These are things that make you easy prey. Resting on your laurels makes it easier for you to be deceived by false teaching, to be overcome ultimately by the wolves. So let's take a deeper look at what Jesus teaches us today. Now our Lord says that these false prophets look like sheep, but on the inside, they are ravenous wolves. Dear saints, the devil's not dumb. Nobody would trust a wolf, but you would probably trust another sheep that looks like you that sounds like you, that struggles with the same struggles you do, even uses the same vocabulary that you're used to using in the church. You would trust a fellow sheep if they were willing to tell you everything that you wanted to hear. So how can we know who these false prophets are? Our Lord says, you will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. In other words, just because a person says that they are a Christian does not mean that they're a Christian. Now, this might sound like a recipe for not trusting your neighbors. However, Jesus clearly tells us how to spot false prophets, and it is by their fruit. If a person confesses to be a Christian but unapologetically supports and advocates something which is contrary to the clear teaching of the Word of God, well, then there's the fruit. Now, here's some examples. If someone says they're a Christian, but they are unapologetically in favor of abortion on demand, there's your fruit. If someone is in favor of sexually immoral behavior, and that's of every type, by the way, both heterosexual and the LGBTQ variety, there's your fruit. Or if a Christian has a theology that says that you have to add something to what Jesus has done for you. He said it is finished on the cross. But if they say you have to add your choice, your decision, your good works to what Jesus has done as though he's not finished it for you, there's your fruit. It's like a thorn bush claiming to be some exquisite grapevine. Or a diseased tree claiming that the rotting apples hanging from its sickly, gnarly limbs our juicy choice honey crisp. Dear saints, don't believe the lies. Now this is hard for us because as Christians we want to trust our neighbors, right? I mean, eighth commandment. We should fear and love God so that we do not tell lies about our neighbor, betray him, slander him, or hurt his reputation, but defend him, speak well of him, and explain everything in the kindest way. And also, as Christians, we know we're not perfect all the time, not even close. We confess this at the beginning of every divine service. We are poor, miserable sinners. We've sinned against God and thought, word and deed, by what we've done and left undone. We've not loved our neighbors with our whole heart. But we must always remember that we are not the measuring stick of what is true and what is good fruit. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, we do not measure truth and lies by our own thoughts and opinions but by the inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word of God alone. What does the Word of God say? That is the question that ought to be in our hearts and minds when we are examining the fruit that is set before us, whether or not something is true or false. When we watch the news, when we scroll through our Facebook feed, get caught up on Instagram, Snapchat, or TikTok, when we listen to a podcast, or even if you're chatting with a friend over a cup of coffee or a cold beer, the question 
and or the filter that ought always to be in our hearts and minds is, what does the Word of God say? The Old Testament lesson gives us a fuller understanding of this. You see, the prophets, or rather the false prophets in Jeremiah's time, they were not a bunch of demonic, Baal-worshipping outsiders that were trying to lure the people away from the one true God. It's not like they're coming up to the people and saying, hey, hey, you should come go worship this false god, engage in all kinds of debauchery and immorality, and, you know, if we're really lucky, we might actually get in on a little child sacrifice today. No, that was not the environment. You see, they were not even fellow Judeans who were guilty of preaching against the Lord God. These false prophets actually believed that they were working for God. Remember Jesus' words, not all who say, Lord, Lord, will be saved. These false prophets in Judah during Jeremiah's time, they were guilty of giving false comfort and assurance in God's name. It's really sly, very dangerous. They say continually to those who despise the word of the Lord, it shall be well with you. And to everyone who stubbornly follows his own heart, they say, no disaster shall come upon you. Folks, these false prophets were giving the people the lie that they preferred and then telling them that that lie was God's true word. Think about this long and hard because this has been and it continues to be a problem within the Christian church even today. The problem is lying in God's name, which is a second commandment offense. What is the second commandment? You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not curse, swear, use satanic arts, lie or deceive by his name, but call upon it in every trouble. Pray, praise, and give thanks. False prophets speak God's comfort and God's approval to a situation which actually calls for the condemnation of sin and the preaching of repentance. Holy Scripture tells us very plainly that the people of Judah and Jerusalem had become wicked and idolatrous. However, I'm sure that if you went back in time and you talked to the people of Judah and Jerusalem themselves, they would disagree with that assessment completely. They weren't all those terrible things. They were good people who loved God. Just ask them. Well, in divine mercy and love, the one true God sent his prophet, Jeremiah, to preach the truth and to call his people to repentance. Jeremiah was sent to, well, call it like it is, to tell it like it is, to call sin, sin, and to call the people to turn away from their sins, from the lies, and to return to the Lord, to return to the Lord's word and the merciful forgiveness found and given in the promise of the Messiah, Jesus. The people didn't want to hear that message of repentance, though. Why? Well, we know why. Because they didn't have a problem with what they were thinking, speaking, and doing. It happens to us, too. Now, I know that sounds a little bit crazy, but it really shouldn't. The people of Judah did not think that they were doing anything wrong, anything sinful, anything evil. In fact, they were rather offended when they were told to repent by God's prophet. After all, they thought, we aren't bad, terrible people. Look at the real evil of all those unbelieving pagan Gentiles. See, we aren't evil like those wicked Gentiles. Why should we have to repent? And this was the environment wherein false prophets and their false teaching thrived. Rather than preaching the truth of God's word, God's law, which leads to repentance, the false prophets, on their own, not sent by God, they were wrongly preaching God's approval of sin. The Lord spoke through Jeremiah saying, I did not send the prophets, yet they ran. I did not speak to them, yet they prophesied. They did not preach for God, 
They were not called to speak on God's behalf. They preached instead of God. Instead of repent, the false prophets scratched the itching ears of the people and preached, it shall be well with you. You can almost kind of see him saying, friends, you'll have everything you want. Oh, Lord, have mercy upon us. Because the devil and his lies, they are among us today, hence Jesus' warning. So let's return to Jesus' words about knowing a false prophet by their fruit. This bad fruit is present today, and we need to recognize it. For example, have you ever heard a Christian say something like this? Well, normally such and such, and you can fill in the blank as to what this sin would be. Normally such and such would be a sin, but it's different in this case. This lie claims that God is angry about a particular sin when rank sinners and unbelievers commit it, but he's okay with it when we do it. It's different with us. That's how this lie goes. Oh, and God's okay with it when our loved ones do it too. It's different. After all, he knows our hearts. Yeah. He sees what's there. Never mind that the fruits we bear are dead ringers for thorns and thistles. Never mind that our fruit reeks of rot instead of the God-pleasing fruit of repentant faith in Christ. Just think back to Little Red Riding Hood. What big, wolfy paws and teeth you have. Dear saints, we can all fill in the blank on our own pet sins and hypocrisy. Just looking at the third commandment, despising God's word and sacraments because we don't want to get out of bed or because we think that that thing, whatever that thing is, needs to be done right now, right when the divine service is scheduled. Then there are other bad fruits which have become all too common. Of course, today what's rampant is offenses against the sixth commandment, living together outside of marriage, sex outside of marriage, pornography, unjustifiable divorce, everything that falls underneath the rainbow flag. Then there's the eighth commandment, lying, gossip, slander, libel. These are everywhere. We don't have to look far. Just turn on your TV or scroll through your social media. Then there's the ninth and tenth commandments. God wants us to be content but instead we covet our neighbor's people and things. I don't like my truck, I want his truck. I don't like my spouse, I want his spouse. I don't like my kids, I'd rather have those kids. Whatever it may be. Then there are the second commandment matters of clinging to false doctrine, false teaching, such as denying Christ's flesh and blood presence in the supper. And then we can also add to that the practice of choosing a congregation not based on its doctrine and practice, not because the word is rightly taught and the sacraments are rightly administered, but instead choosing a church simply because of their great, big, impressive youth programs, that big budget that they have, their new modern building, all the free stuff that they give away during the holidays in order to lure people through the door, or simply because it's so entertaining and, gosh darn it, that pastor is so charismatic. Sure, Christ's Supper is not administered according to his word, and the preaching isn't totally faithful to the word of God, but hey, at least the kids are having fun. Isn't that all that matters? At least they're in church somewhere, right? Does any of that sound familiar? All the while, the wolves, they lick their chops. Now, when we hear preaching like this, the preaching of the law, it hurts. Our human flesh, our old Adam, it rises up against the preaching of God's law, especially when it hits us right in the heart. It's not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. Dear saints, Christ our good shepherd loves us enough to tell us the truth, even when it levels us. Not because our old Adam wants to hear it, but because we need to hear it. The truth is, you're a bunch of sinners, and so am I. 
We sin much. We are lawbreakers who deserve nothing but God's present and eternal punishment. And God was not just going to ignore that. It could not be ignored. The law had to be fulfilled, and God's just and holy wrath over sin had to be satisfied. Therefore, in what is a tremendous mercy, an unfathomable gift of God's grace, Christ our good shepherd laid down his life for the sheep. Jesus fulfilled the law we could not keep, and then he went to the cross to suffer and die for all sin, for yours, for mine, all of it. He didn't leave anything out. He suffered and died for our unbelief and our idolatry. And you see, Jesus, on the contrary, he always thought what is true. He always spoke what is true. He always did what is true. He was without sin. Jesus is the good shepherd who drove away the wolves and defeated Satan with his suffering and his victorious death on the cross. Picture this, if you will. Jesus gave himself, the good shepherd, handed himself over to the satanic wolf when the wolf was ready to pounce on us. And that wolf devoured him. But here's the thing. That satanic wolf, he bit off more than he could chew. The proof of Christ's victory was proclaimed when he cried out on the cross, it is finished. And then it was seen in its fullness on the third day as he burst forth from the tomb alive. Dear saints, the precious blood of Christ shed upon the cross has covered your sin and you are clothed with his righteousness God no longer sees your sin. He sees the righteousness of Jesus that you are covered with. From Christ's riven side flowed the water of holy baptism which watched you of your sin. In baptism, you were joined to Jesus. And this is not just some abstract thing. His death became your death. His resurrection became your resurrection. You have new life in Christ Jesus right here, right now, and for all eternity you are a new creation in Christ. The old has passed away, and now your body is the very temple of the Holy Spirit. As false prophets produce bad fruit, so all the more does Jesus, our prophet, priest, and king, produce good fruit, the best fruit from his cross. He feeds you his resurrected body and blood in and under bread and wine, and he gives to you his forgiveness, eternal life, and salvation from the devil. Your good shepherd sets a table before you in the presence of your enemies, and he anoints you with healing oil. He anoints your head with his mercy and he makes your cup to overflow. His goodness and his mercy, they pursue you all the days of your life and his promise to you, his sheep, is that you, his forgiven ones, will dwell in his house forever. God be praised. Jesus died for you. Jesus rose for you. Jesus is coming again for you. This is truth. You see, the resurrection of Christ is verifiable beyond reasonable doubt. Therefore, know that Christ's warning that he speaks to you today, it comes from your good shepherd who loves you enough to call out the false prophets, to call out the false teaching, and to reveal the wolves in sheep's clothing. Christ has set us free from the lies of Satan, and now we walk in the truth of his word, the gospel which sets us free as his forgiven people God's good and perfect law, it now guides and enlightens our new life in Christ. And so then as we walk in that new life, and according to his word, dear fathers, you are like watchmen on the walls of Jerusalem. So be vigilant, be on guard, study the scriptures, and defend your family from the lies of the world with the truth of God's word. In fact, all parents, grandparents, godparents, 
aunts, uncles, learn God's word well and teach it to the children that God has placed into your lives. Christ Jesus has the words of eternal life and he gives them to you. Think about that. Read the Gospels. Pray the Psalms. Gain godly wisdom through the study of the Proverbs. All this is for you. Delight in God's word, which is truth. Revisit your catechism daily. Dear saints, you belong to Christ Jesus, and he abides with you and in you, in his word and sacraments. Rejoice in that truth. You belong to Christ, and he promises that not even that big, bad, satanic wolf will be able to snatch you out of his hand, his pierced and risen hands. In the name of Jesus, amen. The peace of God which surpasses understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Grant to us, O Lord, the spirit to think and do always such things as are right, that we who cannot do anything that is good without you may be enabled by you to live according to your will. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the flock of God, so often attacked by wolves, who seek to mislead and devour the sheep through their false teaching, that the church would test all things against God's word, and so be preserved in pure doctrine, and bear the good fruit of salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For all pastors, as they care for the church of God, which Christ obtained with his own blood, that they would be strengthened as faithful shepherds and overseers, especially to feed the flock with the very body and blood of Christ, so that there would be no division among God's sheep, but all would have unity in his truth. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. For the people of God, that kept steadfast in his word, they may please the Father with their lives and teaching, bearing abundant fruit by the power of the Spirit. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. For all governing authorities, that they would fear God and foster peace. For our people, that God would look favorably on them. And for our youth, that they would be brought up in the discipline and in, the, in, in discipline and in the right knowledge of Christ, recognizing both God's law and the way of salvation through him alone. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. For the family of John Brenneman and all who mourn the loss of loved ones, that Christ our Good Shepherd would grant them peace as only he is able to, for he is the resurrection and the life. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. For all who need healing, strength, or comfort, especially Nathan Burmeister, Vanessa Burmeister, Charlotte Locke, Ron Lyon, Bob Rash, Erlene Lakey, Lisa Rash, and Ted Phillips, that they would be defended from the attacks of the evil one and able to join in God's praise. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. O oh, Lord, your word is like fire, and you fill heaven and earth. You are not far off, but you are in our midst, announcing the salvation accomplished by your living Christ, the crucified. Grant to our synod, gathered in convention, the spirit to think and do always such things as are right, that we who cannot do anything that is good without you may be enabled by you to live according to your will. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the same Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever.
morning. Uh, it's great to be home once again. Of course, uh, the, uh, the, the kids, it kind of felt like they were my kids in a way this past week. Um, our youth returned back from Higher Things just yesterday. We had a wonderful trip, uh, and I cannot thank the congregation enough for your generous support and your prayers, um, everything that went into the planning of this trip. Uh, I don't need to say a whole lot because the, the youth can speak for themselves, but I know they had a fantastic time, and there will be a formal thank you that we are planning on August uh, 13th after Bible study, so there will be more information to come about that. Uh, but they look forward to sharing with you their experiences, their pictures, uh, what they learned from the different sessions that were taught there by the various pastors uh, who were in attendance, um, and just the overall uh, joy of being together with 700 other uh, Lutherans, um, singing God's praise, receiving His gifts, growing in the Word of God, uh, and in that pure teaching of His Word. So thank you so much for your support of the youth of this congregation, and I have to tell you, they're excited. So uh, thanks be to God for that. It was a wonderful, wonderful trip. Uh, well, as we look into the week, uh, of course, we have Sunday School and Bible Study immediately following the service this day. This uh, coming Wednesday, we have our Lutheran Confession Study Group at 9 o'clock. And uh, on August 10th, that's Thursday, we have a student, or student, wow. I'm, I've been in that, like, high school world for a week, so I almost said student council. Church council, um, August 10th at 8 p.m., uh, and also a reminder, uh, as a supporting congregation of Luther Classical College, we do receive their periodical um, four different times throughout the year, Christian Culture Magazine. We just received a fresh slew of copies, their latest edition. That's found on the glass case. I do encourage you to pick it up and, and peruse it. Uh, it's wonderful writing in there, uh, really pertinent to what's going on right now uh, in the church and in culture. Also, currently, as we speak, the LCMS National Convention is occurring. Our own Ian Davidson is there representing our circuit. Um, and he said, so far, it's been quite exciting. So look forward to hearing his report when he returns from that. Continue to pray for him and all those attending the convention uh, that the work is done faithfully according to God's word. And also, that worship conference is coming up Saturday, August 19th at St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church in Topeka, Kansas. I do encourage you to uh, look into that. More information is there in the bulletin. You've got the uh, web address there. If you don't want to type all that out, there is a, um, a sheet of paper, but a little poster, an informational poster uh, on the bulletin board that has more about that as well. Anything that I may have missed? This is the point where everybody's afraid to move their hands at all of them. Oh, thank you. My wife is reminding me. Um, you have that ability to communicate without using words when you're married. It's great. Um, so I was remiss in telling you about the Lutheran Confession Study Group this Wednesday. Uh, we, we will actually be out of town on a family trip, so I was, I was too far ahead of myself in my mind. I didn't align the church calendar with my personal calendar. Uh, so we will not have that this coming Wednesday because uh, we'll be out of town on a little bit of family vacation time. Uh, so stay tuned. Uh, we'll get that updated. We do have the um, August calendar, which is available on the uh, way out the door. So please see that. God's peace be with you. Uh, go in the peace and knowing that Christ your good shepherd has bought you with his blood, that you are joined to him in baptism, and that he continues by his word to defend you against the lies of the devil. God's peace be with you. I'll greet you at the door. <laughs>